I can tell you from having lived in the Bible Belt, first in the Florida Panhandle and then in North Carolina, that first of all, it's a lot warmer. <laughs> but second of all, that Christians down south take their Bible reading really seriously. People read their Bibles a lot. Uh, they carry them around, even get these fancy cases that kind of zip around the Bible with a little handle on it. Bibles are written in and highlighted, and a well-worn Bible is the sign of a devout believer. As part of that culture, people pick out their favorite Bible verses. They'll highlight them or underline them, write them down or memorize them. Those verses are almost like keepsakes. Verses are treasured and gifted. Often the notes that people will write to one another have a little Bible verse noted at the end of it. I remember when I was on a youth group retreat one time, we had these secret prayer partners, and my prayer partner gave me a hacky sack with a little Bible verse, Romans 8.28 on it. All things work together for those who love God and are called according to God's purpose. I guess one way to think about this is to think about Tim Tebow. And you know the Bible verses that he often used to write on the the black uh, when he would play games or the Bible verses he used sometimes to sign his tweets. Bible verses in the South are one of the important currencies of the faith. I remember as a teenager in youth groups, I would write down the Bible verses that I liked onto white note cards and I'd tape them on the walls of my bedroom. Even then I was kind of a church nerd. Um, but I would write these verses down and uh, I'd capture like a little gem or a nugget or reassurance or a promise, something to hold on to. And then after a while, I moved to a little spiral note cards and, um, and I still have it to this day. And uh, this is a picture of it up here. Uh, this is one of my favorites at the time. And you can see that I put the dates on there, which I'm glad I did look 16 years ago or no, 18, 18 years ago, 1998. From Ezekiel, I'll put a, I will give them a new heart, put a new spear within them. I'll take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a, a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes. I think I have some more here uh, to show you. Uh, on the day I've called you, today you answered me. You increased the strength of my soul, 1999. Uh, and there are more. From uh, 2001, Lord, uh, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. No more shall you be termed forsaken. No more your land be desolate. You shall be called, my delight is in her and your land married. For the delight, Lord delights in you. And I think the, one more. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly from the Gospel of John. From Psalm 90, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. This is a treasure for me. Uh, I don't do it as much as I used to, but now when I do it, I notice I, I write them down on my phone <laughs> or I take a picture of them on my phone to keep it. And I think about this faith practice when I hear again the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. For 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was in the wilderness. That's part of the root of the season of Lent that we're in, of 40 days leading up to Easter. And in his weakened state, Jesus is tempted three times. He's tempted to turn stone into bread, to assuage his hunger, to worship the devil so that he can rule all the kingdoms of the world, and tempted to prove that he's God's son by throwing himself off the pinnacle of the temple to be caught by the angels. 
And each time, notice how Jesus responds with verses from Scripture, all from Deuteronomy. The first, one does not live by bread alone, Deuteronomy 8.3. Second, worship the Lord your God and serve only Him, Deuteronomy 6.13. Third, do not put the Lord your God to the test, Deuteronomy 6.16. These passages from Deuteronomy were instructions for the Israelites who were just about to enter into the promised land. They were rules for faithful and good living as they claimed the promise that God had in store for them. And Jesus himself would have been steeped in these Hebrew scriptures growing up in his learning, not just because he was the Son of God, but because he lived a life infused by the Word of God. And today, different Christian traditions and culture have pretty distinctive relationships to the Bible. It's the same Bible, but there are so many different ways of engaging it, each with their own pros and cons. My southern friends know the Bible so well, but sometimes for them the Bible becomes an idol, almost taking the place of God. And for our part, Lutherans have a long tradition of engaging the Bible, and yet we often keep it at arm's length. You see, Martin Luther translated the Bible from Latin into German, the language of the people, so that people could understand the Bible when, it, when they read it or when it was uh, spoken, and not just rely on the priests and their interpretation. Luther introduced this innovative interpretation of Scripture, seeing it as law and gospel, so that we don't take everything in the Bible literally or the same, but we look through the Bible with the lens of the good news and the grace of God. And yet, we typically don't read the Bible with the same kind of verve and devotion as some other traditions. And it's understandable. The Bible is beautiful, perplexing, long, mysterious, inspiring, old, and sometimes, and in some places, let's admit it, it's pretty boring. But it's also the story of God and of God's people, rich with meaning and promise and hope. It's an encouragement. It's a guide It's a reminder that God calls us and blesses us and saves us in perfect people as we are. And God wants to place those words and those promises right on our heart. Like it says in Jeremiah, This is the covenant that I will make with my people, says the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. We need these verses, especially in our wilderness times and times of temptation. We need these verses when we are tempted as Jesus was to despair, when we feel forsaken, when we face troubles bigger than we ourselves can handle, when we are tempted to abandon our path, our calling, and our purpose, when we are tempted to take the easy way out. These scriptures, these verses can sustain us, and we need them at our fingertips We need them to be written on our lips and our hearts. For example, I I love one from Jeremiah that stuck with me. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not to harm, to give you a future with hope. Or Romans, I am persuaded that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Or simply in 1 John, God is love. Any of these can provide us with healing balm, a saving reminder, something for us to hold on to in good times and in bad. One of the practices of Lent, this 
40-day season of repentance and renewal and preparation for Easter is to renew our encounter with Scripture. And I want you to do that this Lent. I invite you to read the Bible. Start with the short books first. Revisit a favorite story that you have, that you love from your childhood or some other time. Read the story again and see why it resonates with you and what those verses are there. Or pick up a children's Bible. I've learned so much about the Bible just reading the Bible to my kids in those Spark Bibles. Pick up a children's Bible for your kid or for yourself. There are so many ways online to engage the Bible. Smartphone apps with the verse of the day or Bible apps. Or you could just Google it. Bible verses about trust or love or hope. Find the verse and then look to see the larger story that it's a part of. You could even go on our Facebook page. Um, this season, my friend Jim Caskeed has started this project called the 30-Second Bible. Uh, and so for each book of the Bible, he's posting a 30-second recording, a snippet, about what that book of the Bible is about. And we're posting it on our Facebook page, one book a day, every day for Lent and beyond. There are more books than days in Lent. Uh, We started on Ash Wednesday with Genesis. Um, I think we're up to Deuteronomy. And so you can look back on there, but you'll see each day there's a, a book of the Bible. And this one I wanted to share with you, just 30 seconds long, about Leviticus. You know, Leviticus is often the place where we get to the point where I'm going to read the Bible cover to cover, and you get through Genesis, and you get through Exodus, and then you get to Leviticus, and you're like, I can't do this anymore. There's too many laws. You know, it's too dry. Um, But this is a particularly great little reflection from Rob Bell on the book of Leviticus. Leviticus, in 30 seconds or less. Your life matters. How you prepare your food. How you deal with your neighbor. How you handle conflict. You are on holy ground. This is not a random, accidental phenomenon we know to be you, but your entire life takes place under a wide horizon of holiness and sanctity. Respect the mundane and the everyday because it is there that the divine is found. I just saved you hours of reading right there. I want you to, want you to know. So check those out. There's one a day for each day of Lent and beyond. Now, this is how the gospel comes to us, in concrete ways, in text, in sentences and words and phrases. They are the promise made and kept to our spiritual ancestors in the faith and now passed down to us. And so I invite you this morning to choose a verse for yourself in this wilderness season of Lent, for the temptations that you face, for focus or centering or purpose or as a reminder. And I've put index cards for you on the end of the pews, on this side and the, on the aisle side as well. And I invite you to take one and pass it down. If you run out of it, we have plenty lying around. And I invite you this Lent to find your verse. Maybe it's an old, old verse that you still hold dear, 
Maybe there's something that you need to hold on to for love or trust or hope, something that speaks to you now. What is your verse this Lent? You can go on Google. You can pick up a Bible, a children's Bible. It doesn't have to be any particular translation. But what is that sentence, that short paragraph, that phrase that speaks to you this time around, this Lent? And I would love it if you emailed me a picture of it or you posted it on our Facebook page or you hashtagged it MyUDLC so we could see what that is and share what those verses are meaningful for us this season. Because in sharing your verse, you'll give someone else hope as well, just as our forebears shared all these verses in Scripture and have passed it down to us. So that's your homework. And I'll just close uh, with a quote that Robin Williams made famous in the Dead Poets Society uh, about your verse. And it's about poetry, but I think a lot of it goes for the Bible as well. And I'll just close with this. He, He said this. He said, we don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race. And the human race is filled with passion. And medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. To quote Whitman, O me, O life of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, what good amid these, O me, O life? Answer, that you are here that life exists an identity, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse, that the powerful play of faith goes on and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? Amen.